Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CXCast. Sam Stern with Jenny Wise, as always. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And we have back, because we enjoyed her company so much the first time, our colleague, Principal Analyst Emily Collins. Hi, Emily. Hello. And uh, listeners, last time, and you should listen to this episode if you haven't already, because it'll be a good sort of primer for what we're talking about today, we delved into loyalty programs, their origin story, why they're not working maybe as well as they should, what they are well-suited for in establishing a customer relationship with Emily and she gave us a lot of great insights there. We wanted to go further today. We wanted to talk about, okay, maybe you've built a relationship, but how do we get beyond that to thinking about the experience of a loyalty member in the program? And what can you do to sort of build a better relationship with your customers through loyalty programs? So those are the sort of two questions we want to answer with Emily today. So Emily, start wherever you'd like. No, just kidding. (laughs) Go, Uh, floor is yours. (laughs) Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, Jenny and I being on the customer experience team, from the the perspective of the customer in the loyalty program, talk a little bit about that, the the actual experience of being in a loyalty program from a member's perspective. Yeah. So right now, most programs are run more as a marketing program, right? So it's a bolt-on channel. It's a a way for a company to communicate with the customer. But beyond a maybe a more identified email relationship or sending offers or a very operational, you have a reward certificate here, go redeem it. The experience is pretty lackluster. Uh, I think that there are a couple of brands out there that are working on improving that. So where the program becomes the best experience that a customer has versus, oh, hey, now we know who you are and we're tracking you and we're just going to send you a bunch of stuff that may or may not be relevant to you. If you look at what Nike is doing with Nike Plus membership program, they're incorporating things like they'll reserve products for you. There's member only products that they're developing, things like that, you know, and and obviously the free fast shipping is a component of all of those things. But beyond just that benefit from a sales perspective, they're thinking about what could we give to people that are enrolled in the program that would be above and beyond just, oh, here's another email channel. Yeah. So that old school Amex idea of membership has its privileges. Mm-hmm. And I like that what you said, you know, being in the, a member of the loyalty program makes it a better experience or it's the best version of the experience, not just sending you discount right. coupons, right. right? And for a long time, loyalty programs and marketers were very focused on the rewards piece, right? What yeah. is the reward? What are we going to give to customers to get them to do stuff for us? I think now some of the focus is shifting to what does membership mean to us? And I think that's a really good question to ask. Like if we're going to have a membership program, what does that mean beyond the the physical discount or the transactional benefit? Does membership within our brand mean something different? Does it mean something bigger? And that's the kind of question that I think companies should be asking, which is if we're going to have a loyalty program and people are asking people to enroll, how can we make membership mean something that demonstrates our brand promise or that brings forward a better experience? And it requires a lot of coordination of systems on the back end of that last inch or mile of the experience that people are trained and know how to treat these customers and Mm. acknowledge them and recognize them. But that to me seems to be the trajectory of where loyalty programs could go and the best kind of programs will go. You know, is there any information 
I guess, data that either we have or just anecdotally around what customers expect from loyalty programs. Because I know in my personal experience, when I sign up for a card, even if it's like a CVS card, um, I expect to be given coupons to then use at CVS. Mm -hmm. But as you're mentioning, there are these other benefits too that are much more experiential, such as early access, not necessarily a monetary transactional exchange. Mm -hmm. Do you know, I guess, what the majority of customers expect and then how companies can respond to that, whether it's monetary or experiential? Yeah. So the majority of customers definitely want savings and discounts, right? Okay, that so we've, it's not just me. It's not just you. I want the coupon still. If you ask consumers what they want from a brand, oftentimes they're going to say, I want to spend less money. Like, I want yeah. you to reward me. I want you to reward my loyalty. I want discounts. I want something like that. But we also find that in addition to that sort of transactional mindset, which frankly, brands have also trained consumers to expect because right. they're yeah. constantly mm-hmm. sending out promotional offers and things like that. They also tell us that they want to be treated differently than other customers. So from a discount perspective, they want things that aren't available to everybody else. Mm -hmm. But also from an experience perspective, they want enhanced experiences or enhanced service that isn't available to everyone else. So I interpret that as, yes, of course, I want to save money, but I also want to be treated differently and treated special. I want to be different than everyone else. And I think as business travelers in this room, there is something exciting about... You know, when you get on a plane, walking by everybody else to get on first. Yes. (laughs) That's true. That alone goes a long way. The early boarding. Uh, The weaving in between the people who hover at the uh, gate entrance. That's a really nice way to put it. Throwing elbows, as Emily (laughs) was doing in the room here, which you can't see, (laughs) listeners. Um, If you loyalty programs, companies with Mm -hmm. them have trained us to expect discounts and points, and we are hooked on that as consumers, how do you break out of that if you're in a category where, you know, we're saying, okay, you know, you're an airline and you want to create this unique experience for your most loyal customers, but really it's about the upgrades. You know, if you're a legacy mm. carrier, really it's about the extra segments or whatever it is. And to not meet that expectation, your customers will be confused and you won't get the credit for differentiating because they'll be worried about what you haven't given them, the sort of loss aversion Mm -hmm. of the basics of a loyalty program that you're not giving me. So it's a tricky balance to strike. And one of the things that I would say is it kind of comes back to this, like to emotion, and that a lot of research shows that marketers over-rationalize consumer decision-making. And I believe in a lot of ways marketers over-index on benefits thinking that more is more and more Mm. isn't always more. Because if you just base a relationship on price, which is what happens when you're just dishing out rewards and offers to consumers, somebody else can always beat you. Somebody can be a lost leader. Somebody can take a big hit because they're desperate and lower their prices. And we have all this research at Forrester that shows that it's not enough to just offer what someone's looking for at the price that they want it. That there is emotion involved in a lot of consumer decision making, especially when decision stress is involved. And there are so many options out there. And so from my perspective, yes, you want to have some sort of material benefit to like satisfy consumer thirst, but also, you know, to drive those short-term interactions potentially that the business is looking for. But 
if you only do that, you're not really building a very multidimensional relationship. And so you can start to layer in that experiential stuff that maybe is related to what your brand values are, what your brand mission is, and you can parse it out. You don't have to give it to everybody. I mean, that's the beauty of loyalty programs is that you know more about their spending behavior and you can hopefully identify customers that are either have a propensity to be loyal or are more loyal to you by your definition of loyalty. And start to deliver those experiences that make more of an emotional connection that's a, that's and good. build the trust, right? The, yeah. Or that consideration of, I know that they're going to have what I need. I know that they're going to treat me well. So even though this retailer, competitive retailer or airline is offering a cheaper discount uh, or a cheaper deal, I, I still want to go to this place because the, I know they'll take care of me. Mm-hmm. And we see that in banking. We see that in airlines, um, you know, sample size of one. I personally only fly on JetBlue because other airlines, if anyone even starts to look at their seat recliner, I can't even open my computer. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> it's like, that's so true. Yeah. Or they might not have a TV. That's my big thing for JetBlue. I can't risk mm-hmm. that on the long flight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing work on my flights. I'm yeah. watching the shows. Is there an example that you have where I guess a company has successfully created this emotional tie or, you know, that ease or convenience or otherwise that keeps people going, even if price is not necessarily the lowest. So unfortunately, most of the examples I have are the ones that we always use in all of our research, you know, USAA, Mm -hmm. which doesn't even have a loyalty program per se, but they develop that really emotional relationship with the customer where they're willing to consider them first for products that maybe aren't as competitive in the marketplace. Amazon, although they're not as emotionally connected to their consumers, I think from a convenience perspective, you Prime membership reduces switching behavior, reduces sh- cross shopping, those kinds of things. I think Sephora is doing a great job of building this with you know the Beauty Insider community and a couple other brands are also exploring how communities and online communities can start to solidify that relationship as mm-hmm. a vehicle to to earn loyalty and Sephora's community is built as a benefit of Beauty Insider membership. I think what Nike's working on with enhancing their Nike Plus membership program, you know, I look at somebody like a Kohl's that's piloting a streamlined program. So they always have had three different programs, one associated with the credit card, they have their Kohl's cash, and then they had a traditional points and rewards program. And they're piloting a single program that brings out the best of those three things. And and they really have used a lot of voice of the customer and customer research to figure out what is unique about Kohl's programs and bringing that forward in the single brand program Mm -hmm. or the single streamlined program. Which also makes sense from a customer perspective because that's much easier then to understand how can I access these benefits, what are the benefits and how do I accrue them. Right. And so I would say that even though the Kohl's example is still more of a transactional program, the thinking is in the right direction that a lot of brands are starting to think about how can I enhance what I have in place? How can I streamline it? How can I optimize it? What are the opportunities that I have to bring in something that's a closer tie to the experience. Um, so I'm seeing that a lot in retail, especially uh, with a lot of revamped programs. Um, so that's really the first step is to to work on that. And you alluded to the fact that, that Kohl's is piloting this new mm-hmm. offering. And before you had mentioned something about, you know, okay, which, you know, not more is more, but which benefits actually, you know, create the right emotional reaction. How much do you see companies, you know, really testing these, these things to see if they have the desired 
impact on customers' emotional attachment to the brand or or just, you know, flat out their spending behavior with the brand? I would say that I see more testing now than I have in previous years. It can be difficult, right? How do you identify the right pilot group? How do you do that pre and post incremental measurement to kind of really yeah. test it? But most of the companies that I'm talking to through Forrester Inquiry and in kind of the advisory and consulting work I'm doing that are launching new programs or revamping programs are really thinking about you know, how do we roll this out as a POC or a, a, a pilot before we kind of go full hog into the, to the entire population? So thinking about the strategy, and this is I think a question that I had last time too that I've been hanging on to since, <laughs> since that podcast. Um, we on the customer experience team think about customer journeys and mm-hmm. where are there moments where we can make something easier or better for the customer or enhance an experience or create that emotional tie, which very closely ties into the benefits of the loyalty program mm-hmm. that you're discussing. And so I'm curious as to where that experience strategy ends and a loyalty program begins, right? So to call it a loyalty program doesn't need the customer sign in. Is there some type of you know customer record that's being built over time? Or do you consider a enhanced experience strategy also a type of loyalty program? I would say that the hallmark of a loyalty program is sort of that opt-in mm-hmm. ide- customer identification Right. right. Whether or not it is an official rewards program or there's some other way that you can identify the customer and have them opt in, that explicit give and get is the hallmark of a loyalty program mm-hmm. compared to an overarching experience strategy. Now, what you just said is something that I talk to a lot of companies about, which is you know, when you're thinking about the experience, use those types of techniques, customer experience techniques in terms of journey maps to identify loyalty or uncover those loyalty building opportunities. And so you might have one for the general population, and then you may have an overlay for customers that have opted in that is enhanced beyond Mm. that, right? Mm -hmm. So you might say, okay, one place where we could really improve our experience is here. It's too expensive to do for everybody. And frankly, not every customer is worth that investment. Mm -hmm. But we have this loyalty program where, you know, we can see this person has this customer lifetime value or they're engaged with us in a way that we think that this is a long-term relationship and we can now, you know, parse out this other level of enhanced experience to these customers because we're not giving it to every single person that walks in the door. Right. And I always come back to the research that you have done on your team about, you know, the diminishing, not necessarily diminishing returns, but in certain industries, continuing to invest in customer experience starts, the the return doesn't always continue to go up. That's where a loyalty program could maybe take it to the next level. It's like adding this extra layer onto the analysis of understanding, are they worth this investment in the enhanced experience as a customer? You can, you know, test some of that of let's gift someone this status or this tier for a year because they're that close and then they see if it changes their behavior and that they kind mm-hmm. of do more work to maintain the tier. Yeah. So airlines do that all the time. Travel yeah. and hospitality does that all the time. That's what I'm doing right now, trying to think of flights I can take on JetBlue so I can stay mosaic. <laughs> <laughs> so it works. It totally works. How often do you see companies investing in like segmented customer experiences where they're really thinking about like when you're talking to organizations about improving their experience, they're like, we just want to improve our baseline experience. Or is there more of a nuanced approach of we want to have that because the way that I think about customer experience quality is that you need to be able to get the relationship off on the right foot. So the the customer experience is sort of your first impression and it can be an opportunity to build or kind of 
nip a relationship in the bud if it's not good, right? right Somebody could right. abandon you before even making a purchase because the experience is that bad. Uh, but then once you start to build the relationship, you know, how nuanced is customer experience strategy to kind of take it at a segment level of um, we have this baseline customer experience and then we reserve the best for our customers who are super high value or have a propensity that we see that they'll probably be loyal to us. Well, I guess my answer at the base level, not directly answering your question, <laughs> uh, is that customers will enter into the experience that are very different, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll have different types of personas with different types of needs and different types of interaction behaviors. So for example, the shopper at Sephora might be a one-time shopper who's never been there and will never be there again, or someone who is going to you know, reorder their favorites every month and talk in the community. So when we're thinking about that level, I think we break it into the persona level, go through what that customer journey looks like, sort of what are those moments of truth and core moments to either enhance Mm -hmm. for each of those personas. And then if you find a persona where those moments to enhance also deliver more value and they're likely to continue that journey, um, then that's someone who may be a good sort of contender for a loyalty program. And then maybe that's how you would turn them into a segment to begin to think about in that way. Yeah. But I think, and I think to your point, Emily, the creating the a good enough experience that draws someone in. Unfortunately, a lot of companies do that through you know a great one-off deal or opportunity yeah. that they can't or have no intention of replicating. And so then there's frustration on behalf of loyal customers in their own minds that they're getting worse deals than new customers are. Mm-hmm. And that's a classic and very common challenge that we hear from, from clients around the customer experiences. We want to treat our better customers better, but we lure them in in the first place with a deal. Right, not just through having a good baseline experience, but through some sort of special offer or special opportunity. And how do we replicate that? Or how do we, you know, how do we find the opportunities to reward loyalty for just ongoing, you know, basic loyalty? Like you pay your subscription every month, you fly, you know, the requisite four segments a quarter with us or whatever it is. You're not our most loyal customers, but you're good enough. How do we give you something that shows that we value you? You know, and you're sort of, and, and I'm thinking about your segmentation. You're not going to be our, um, you know, medallion or whatever the mm-hmm. highest tier is, but you're good and you're a profitable customer. I think companies really struggle with that, that sort of middle group, um, the mass sort of category for them. Well, and that's where I think strategy just becomes more nuanced, right? Because loyalty can be a program, it can be an outcome, it can be a strategy. Right. Yeah. And so it's all these different layers. And that's where I think it's really critical that, you know, CX teams and the com- the people that are designing the experience are really clued in or, or tied in with marketing who might have the insight on and bringing in together all those insights because there may be customers who, like you said, are profitable, they're loyal, but they're never really going to be super engaged in a loyalty program, especially if it's geared toward a specific segment of like highly frequent business travelers. But that doesn't mean that you can't earn that less frequent travelers loyalty. And so that's where the the nuance of strategy comes in where it's, you know, we have all of these different tactics and efforts that are contributing to loyalty as an outcome for our customers and figuring out where the levers are in terms of when do we want to dial up the program because maybe this customer just will respond really well to offers versus where do we want to make sure that our experience meets or exceeds expectations and maybe meets expectations is enough to maintain them. And that I don't see a lot of companies where there's that sort of level of coordination. Yeah, that nuance level. Or even thought. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that also ties into the different tiers that you then need mm-hmm. because maybe you're never going to be Mosaic on JetBlue, but maybe there's something else that you can do so that you're going to continue to fly them. 
Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're, to your point, Emily, if you get all of my loyalty, but it's only 10 flights a year, 20 segments, like I won't meet those thresholds of the highest status yeah. in a loyalty program for an airline, but I'm giving you all of my travel. Like, mm-hmm. right. uh, and especially in my mind, I'm as loyal as I could possibly be. Sorry, I don't fly twice a month, but right. you don't even I'm have the opportunity right. to yeah. fly that mm-hmm. often. Right, right. So, you know, you're getting all of my travel and I'm very loyal and yet you're not treating me that way and I can't get to that threshold. It's a weird dynamic, right, for a lot of customers. And I, and I think, Jen, to your point, there's, there are huge opportunities, I think, for these groups of customers who are loyal in their minds and loyal mm-hmm. to a degree that they can be, but not loyal enough in the company's loyalty program tiers right. minds to treat yeah. them like really loyal customers. And perhaps they may not be as rewarded because they're just not meeting right. the terms and conditions right. of the program. But that doesn't mean that an organization can't recognize them or Correct. show them appreciation and build that emotional connection. Because frankly, they may not have the expectation that they're going to get a ton of free flights because they already know right. they're not going to fly enough. So that's where I think with JetBlue specifically, I know we've talked a lot about JetBlue on this podcast episode so far. We love you. But they have that bill of customer rights, right? Where they're sort of that, we know, like, these are the things that you can expect from us. And if they can deliver on that, I wonder how that impacts it compared to their JetBlue rewards program and Mosaic tier and Mm -hmm. things like that. Great. Well, Emily, thank you for joining us again. Thank you for having me. On CXCast. Listeners, we posted some links to loyalty research in the show notes, and we'll talk to you all next week. Bye for now. If you have feedback or questions about this week's episode, please email us at cxcast, one word, at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perceptions is your customer experience reality.